everyone, and welcome to another episode of the La Rouge Rugby Podcast. I'm Stuart Hardy, joined as always by Derek Brissett. And first of all, uh, uh, yeah. In other, um, in other yeah. news, um, yeah, Uruguay nothing. qualified yeah. as America's one. Uh, the Coastal Cup had one round taking place. Premier Rugby Sevens, there's other news in the world of Rugby Sevens as well as MLR. The, Derek, we have to talk about it, don't we? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, or happy after Thanksgiving. We didn't mention Thanksgiving on the last episode, so we can mention it now. Um, hoped everybody enjoyed their turkey and sadness. Um, you know, I, yeah, we gotta, uh, we do have to talk about this. Um, obviously, you know, 34, 33, 24 in favor of Chile. Um, it was a uh, pretty much like, I mean, Canada scored first, but that was pretty much and solid. The 80 minutes of Chile just being the better team. Um, yeah, you know, we, I mean, I guess I just, we, we do have to dive into it. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely as, you know, countless people have said on social media, on various platforms, probably the lowest point of Canada's rugby history, but, you know, so yeah, we got to dive into it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this episode, uh, hopefully we can entertain people still. And uh, this episode doesn't sound too much like a funeral eulogy. So, um, I mean, I don't know. Sh- shall we, uh, shall we dive into it, Stu? I believe we shall. Or do you want to okay. talk about Squid Game like every other podcast in the world right now? Uh, I'd rather walk on red lights at the moment. But uh... <laughs> All right, let's get into it. So the final score was Chile 33, Canada 24. Um, when you look at like the breakdown of the scores, it seems much closer than it actually was. Uh, both teams scored three converted tries. Canada scored one penalty and Chile scored four penalties. Um, this was Chile's first ever win over Canada, not in like the amateur or professional era at all. This is the first time ever. And as with the result, Chile will progress to the America's two playoff. And before we talk about Canada, we have to talk about Chile. Now, I've been keeping my eye on Chile since. We don't um, have to talk about Chile. We just want to talk about something happy before we dive into Canada. Yeah, I believe so. So <laughs> I've been keeping my eye on Chile um, since the South America Four Nations last year. Um, this is a team that has come on leaps and bounds. So they've been the whipping boys of the America's Rugby Championship for a good number of years. It was always a case of like, you may not win any games, but if you're going to win, you're going to beat Chile. Which was, you know, bad news for Chile because they obviously couldn't play themselves. Um, but since uh, 2020, uh, the announcement of excuse me, SLAR, they have also um, had a team there. Most of the players for Chile have been playing for uh, Selknam in SLAR, which is the Chile. Yeah, the, team. the team is basically Selknam and Marcelo Torrealba. I would agree with that, but I would say it's then uh, the case of that the Chilean national team has basically been playing for an entire season yeah. instead of Selknam have just been playing for the national colours. Um, anyway, back on topic. Um, you know, last year they were one point from beating uh, Argentina 15, which they eventually did beat just before this um, series. Uh, they beat Brazil. They also beat uh, the Uruguay 15 as well. 
And I think to not talk about um, Chile's improvements would be disservice both to Chile and Canada because um, those that have been in charge of Chile saw the importance of having high-performance training and a high-performance center. They saw what SLAR could do. Um, they probably looked at what the uh, Sunwolves were, did in Japan and saw how like that helped the national team and you know put two and two together and think like oh we could do something similar to that and you know so credit is absolutely due to Chile and you know they now get to go on um, next July where they'll be facing the USA we'll talk about the USA and Uruguay game later but um, you know for a brief moment before we get back downer again uh congratulations chile fantastic performance and you know i'm looking forward to seeing what they can do against uh neighbors to the south yeah wouldn't that be something man it's uh it's kind of fascinating right because uh one of those things that uh the south american teams always talked about is that they didn't like the qualification process because they were like the only continent in the world that didn't you know they you couldn't qualify by being the best team on their continent or whatever exactly, right yeah. and um now it's kind of like now that they get the shot to uh, you get that automatic, you know, the America, North and South America kind of grouped more together. And, uh, you know, if they, they got the shot and they both teams uh, making it kind of known, they both took out the uh, the North American opposition. Right. So, you know, Uruguay, Uruguay, you know, dominated the United States, too. And Chile, as you said, man, it's like I, it, it's crazy to me. Like we were talking about it before the first leg. Where it was like the last time Canada played Chile, it was 56 to nothing. Yeah. Right. And it's like, it just, it, you know, I, I think that's one of those things that's like, we're probably going to end up talking about it a little bit as we, we go into, uh, I guess, the fall of rugby Canada um, yeah. over the last decade. Right. But it's like, it, it's staggering to be like a team that, as you mentioned, Stu, has never beaten Canada before. The last time they played was 56 nothing. Right. Then they played the first yeah. leg. Canada wins by one and it's like they lose to Chile for the first time and it's like you can't help but watch that game and be like man what are they like what are they doing down there that we're not doing up here like how did they get that good in two years mm-hmm. right and you know and the fact too that what a year and a half of those two years is in a pandemic mm-hmm. right and it's Absolutely, like how did yeah. how did they how did they improve so much and how are we you know it's definitely I think you know, some of some of the games there, like the watching that whole game, it was um, you know, it definitely has to give like the rugby Canada brass something to think about, man. Cause I mean they have a lot of thinking to do now because they yeah. uh there's there's nowhere to hide now, right? You can't hide behind the fact that you know the game against Namibia got canceled because of a typhoon or you know, a bunch of the good European teams didn't go to the repishage tournament because they had uh you know illegal players or ineligible yeah. players or whatever. So the repishage tournament ended up being a couple of weaker teams. Um, like there's not uh you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, you're at, you're out of the world cup without even getting a shot to go to the repishage now. And you know, it's a, it's a sad state, man. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a tough, tough, uh, tough weekend for a rugby Canada. And obviously everybody taking to social media to lend like their thoughts on what to do next. And I guess that's yeah. um, probably what we're about to do now. So. Yeah, well, as you said, um, it was Chile's first ever win over Canada. Worst timing for Canada, obviously. Um, But this does mean that Canada have been eliminated from progressing any further in the qualifications 
for the 2023 Rugby World Cup in France. And this will be the first World Cup that Canada men will not yeah. make an appearance. Yeah, they were uh, one of 11 teams to play at every World Cup. Bang. And now there's only 10. And now there's only 10. And they're basically all uh, the Six rug- Nations and the Six Nations. Championships. Well, yeah, minus Japan, oh, yeah, minus Japan South in place of South Africa, though, right? Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, so I it's think there's, there's like three questions that. Are we going to talk here. about the actual game at all? Or is it just like, what's the point? Is it just like beating a dead horse at this point? I think it is beating the dead horse at this point. We, yeah. I think one of the. It's one of the things that we've talked about like multiple times whilst um, seeing Canada over not only this series, but the series against the USA as well, is game plan. And so Mm -hmm. I was watching the game. As soon as um, Canada were in their half, they would play one phase, and then on the second phase, it would be a box kick. And the fact that (sighs) if we, so me, an idiot... If I can tell that, <laughs> then, of course, Chile me. can tell that. And sure enough, that's how um, Chile Dude, got their I first think... try. Mm-hmm. Uh, box kick collected. Uh, their number 10, Fernandez, I believe. Um, Fernandez, yeah. And no yeah, one touched shoots them. Shoots through. I, I've got to admit, it's one of the tries of the year. It was oh, fantastic. Man, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's one of those it's... tries that you watch through gritted teeth. It's like, if yeah. it had been any other game, it would have been great. But Yeah, well, you're also just like, I mean, that was one of the things that we we talked about earlier too. Like, I I mean, like I said, it's like we've mentioned everything before, right? It was like you know the box kick; it's too far. It was too far. The kick chase wasn't good enough, and f- you know what I mean. Fernandez was just like, I'm going to take a couple steps here, and uh, I'm just watching all these black jerseys fly by me as they miss tackles and take bad angles, and you know, and end up with a nice try. Um, I think like you said too, it's like there's that that element that we talked about, the predictability in the attack. Um yeah. right, like you know, Canada did get down toward to into like scoring opportunities a couple times in the game. And it's like the one the one thing that really stood out to me in just like the sense of like like how predictable is this like is the attack really or how good of a job um Chile did game planning for the attack. Or how good of a job the players were at just playing the Chilean players were at just playing defense, or you know whatever it may be, right? Reading the play, knowing where they got to go, understanding what Canada's doing. Again, like you said, Stu, maybe it's maybe it's, it's too easy, but it was like they had two possessions where they were kind of like near the try line of Chile, and they managed to get advantage, and they went out wide, and it was picked off, right? And uh, and then they did it again later in the game. And the same guy, the winger on Chile, just picked it off again. And it's like you kind of watch those two plays. And it's like the, the Chilean winger isn't even looking at Kainoa Lloyd. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like he's looking at the ball the whole time. He's like, I know exactly where this ball is going to end up. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's advantage. So, I mean, maybe you go with like, hey, you take a little bit of a riskier play. But it's like, yo, this guy, this, this, the Chilean defense is reading this so well that it's like you have no chance. Right. Yeah. If you tried to run that play like without advantage, it would have been another 10 points on the board. This yeah. is like there's nobody there to cover that. I mean, that's I guess that's the the perk of advantage, right? Is you can try a riskier play, but in all honesty, even like the design of the attack, it's not a riskier play. You're just moving the ball down, you're just moving the ball through the hands to the winger. Like it's not yeah, yeah I don't know. 
Um, it's the same thing, right? And then the one that I think, though, your question that you have written here, your first question, your first of yeah. three questions, Stu, is how did Rugby Canada get here? I'm assuming you mean how did it get to the point where we're two, ye- we're two years away from the World Cup and already out of it? Um, you know, and as a team, and I feel like it's like as a team that has never missed the World Cup, that's a significant gap of time. It's not yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's not like you you bowed out in the final of the Repshage tournament because, you know, there was a drop goal in the 80th minute that you lost on or whatever. It's like you, you just you got rolled over by Chile um, yeah. two years from the World Cup happening. Um, but it's like your question being, how did rugby kind of get here? And one of the things we always we talked about over the qualification here was you know, as you said, the game plan and the ability to adapt, right? And it's like, you know, you kind of see it again in this game and it's like, yeah, like Chile figures out the attack and it's like, there's not, like, there there wasn't really any point in the game where Canada felt threatening or whatever, right? I mean, yeah, sure, cool. Kainoa Lloyd scored a try at the end of the game. I think it's like the second time he touched the ball the whole day. Yeah. or whatever and it's like it's clearly like Chile's already in celebrating mode at that point in the game um but it was like you see how it's like hey like the attack's not working can we try something else and then they don't try anything else and you just kind of be like well you know it's if there's nothing else there and i kind of think like that answers your question of like how did rugby can they get here too it's like we watched everybody else get better uh, and never changed what we were doing yeah right never never looked at hey like you know we're, we're losing to all these countries and it's like you know maybe we got to change it up right like yeah. you know and even even at the last world cup like 2019 world cup there's amateur players on the roster still yeah right? in 2019 uh, yeah right like it's you know what i mean like it's not not 19 it's not the 1995 world cups 2019 world cup it's the professional era right like yeah and i mean and I know like, you know, MLR is new and MLR is obviously, you know, a, a huge, should be a huge help. I mean, I guess we'll uh, determine the full success rate, I guess. I don't know. I think, uh, I think American fans are kind of sitting on, uh, you know, pins and needles too themselves kind of looking at this. And uh, I'll say as a Canadian fan, it's like, don't take Chile lightly. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you kind of look at that and it's like, Hey, like, you know, we just, we've, we've spent the last decade watching you know every other team um pass us by you know it's just it's crazy to kind of look at the the world rankings yeah and you know before before we get into what needs to be done um i I don't know it's you know it's a sad day it's a sad day man um i always remembered man like when i first got introduced to rugby in high school so i started playing rugby in uh 2007 it would have been the first time I ever like picked up a rugby ball, ever looked at a game of rugby. Right. So it's 2007. So it's like kind of played a little bit of rugby. And then I was kind of aware of the fact that the World Cup was happening later in the year, but probably didn't really care about it that much. Um, but like has, you know, getting introduced to the game and stuff, obviously, you know, my coaches at school, they would show me the All Blacks, Ireland, England, Springboks, the good, right? The, yeah, yeah. You know, the top teams in the world, right? Springboks, obviously, they were the World Cup champions at that time, too. Um, But it was like the one thing that really kind of drew me to it a little bit was 
Canada was good. Right. Yeah. Like you could watch, you could watch a game with Canada and it's like, yo, Canada, Canada's a genuinely good team yeah. back then. Right. And, you know, going into like the first world cup that I ever really paid attention to was, you know, 2011. And I love the fact that Canada was good. I tried to like get my friends to watch it because I was like, yo, like Canada's a great team. Right. And at, so in the 2011 world cup, um, Phil McKenzie scored a late try to give Canada a 25 to 20 win over Tonga. Yeah. When world rugby or the IRB back then, I guess when they updated the world rankings, Canada moved up to 11th in the world, Mm -hmm. September, 2011, Canada's 11th, 11th in the world, right? The only countries ahead of Canada were the countries in the six nations and the rugby championship. Italy was the team directly ahead of them in 10th, right? The rest of the World Cup went on and they kind of, they fluctuated between like 11th and like 13th or something as the World Cup moved on and, you know, the results went the way the results did. Um, but looking at the, like the 2011 World Cup standing or the World Cup rankings to today, right? It's it's like mind-boggling to see how far Canada's actually fallen. Um, you know what I mean? Like you have you have a lot of countries here. USA, Romania, Tonga, they haven't even moved. Right. Like as far as like right now in this moment, I mean, I'm sure like if you look back through the decades, there's fluctuation and stuff. But as of right now, the world rankings right now, USA was 17th 10 years ago. USA is still 17th now. Right. Uruguay. Uruguay has improved the most. They've moved up out of the countries in like the top 25 anyways. Like Uruguay's moved up six spots. They're now 16th in the world. So like Uruguay, as you mentioned, man, big improvement from Uruguay. Hong Kong also has had a little bit of a big improvement. Um, so they're now 21st. They weren't even in the top 25 at the world uh, in 2011. But it's like you kind of look at everybody and it's like a couple countries have stayed the same. Italy has had a big, a bit of a big drop. They've, they're now 14th. So they've dropped four spots. And Namibia has dropped from 19th to 25th. Right. And Namibia kind of gets that weird benefit of the fact that they're like the second best team in Africa behind the Springboks. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're not in the grand scheme of the world, not really that great. Right. But it's like all that. So Namibia has the biggest drop of six. Canada's dropped 12 spots. Yeah. Like double what Namibia has dropped. Yeah. Right. And even further to that is it's like, if you look at the rest of the world rankings, everybody like Japan, Fiji, Georgia, um, some more, like, you know, Italy, Port Spain, like those countries, they're all like within three or four spots of where they were 10 years ago. If yeah. you just looked at the specific world rankings, which might not mean everything in the world, but I find it interesting yeah. that like most teams are within like three or four spots of where they were, right? The outliers are Uruguay, who's moved up six, Hong Kong, who was ranked 27th in 2011. They were ranked like that's how far they were ranked 16 spots behind Canada in 2011. They're now ahead of Canada. Um, right. And it's like, you know, all these countries that have done that, but Canada's dropped 12. Like Canada's just nosedived while the rest of the world has, you know, they've 
some teams are getting a lot better. Uruguay, evidence of that. Sometimes, but a lot of teams are just like they're kind of battling each other, right? They're all they're improving at the same rates, at the same speeds, and then Canada's just sitting there, falling way behind everybody, as kind of evidence of like, and, and what I think is this this massive slide down the world rankings to the point, and I mean they're probably going to keep dropping down the world rankings because they're, you know what I mean? Like yeah, like if Chile wins, like what if you if they lose to like Belgium and Portugal? Right. That's they keep falling down the world rankings. Right. Like it's uh, I don't know. It's 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 it's, like the fun. The funny thing, though, too, like the Netherlands is the team in 24th right now. Do you have a guess of where the where where do you think the Netherlands were in 2011? Uh, Not even in the top 30. Oh, 30. 30 is generous, man. They're not even in the top 40. Oh, wow. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And now they're 24th. And I know nothing. I don't know anything about. Dutch rugby, other than Jonas Petrokopoulos plays for rugby ATL. Um, and he, that's all I know. Um, but it's like, yeah, like it's just, it's been a, it's just such a, a nosedive. Right. And, and this honestly, it's like, I don't, Brian Kelly had an article on, um, you know, on the rugby network and he kind of starts it off with a little bit of just like emotion and stuff, friends texting him during the game and whatnot. Um, but he says he took, he took some time before writing the article, said he did a little soul searching. And then he starts the next part of the article with, if you've been following Canadian rugby over the last decade, Saturday's loss should not come as a shock. Yeah. And just ain't that the sad truth, man. We've just been watching the downfall of rugby Canada for a decade. And it's like, and that's what it is. Cause the thing that I think is the most mind boggling part of that, it's not the fact that they're the only country that's fallen that dramatically. Right. And, or anything. It's just, it's like, it's just how steady it's been. You know what I mean? Like when was the last time? Like, I mean, I guess like they beat the United States earlier, but it's like, you look at like the teams, the teams ahead of them now and stuff. And it's like, yeah, like there was a time, like, you know what I mean? There was a time where it was like, yeah, like I said, the world cup, they beat Tonga, right? Tonga's still ahead of them. They're like 15th or whatever, but it's like, there was a time where even playing the United States was like, that's a cakewalk. Like that's a win. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you know what I mean? You can like copy, you're penciling in the W next to the, the U, the American flag on the schedule. Right. And now it's like, would we go eight years without beating them? finally beat them and then they kicked their butt in the second leg and i mean ultimately that's a loss anyways i don't know it's just uh it's been it's been a uh a sad i i guess it's a it's been a sad i don't know like Stu, any any of your your kind of thoughts on on um i guess like the fall or whatever i mean i guess i didn't really answer how we got here i just kind of used the world rankings to kind of point out like how steady this decline has been which may or may not actually be a good use of the world rankings to prove a point, but it's like, I don't know. I found it interesting to look at that. Canada's the only team that has moved in the world rankings as dramatically as we have. Well, I think the general reaction from social media is everyone is disappointed Mm -hmm. and no one is surprised. No, which is sad. And, and I think it's not just from like a coaching level. It's from an organization level Mm -hmm. as well. I remember in 2019, in the build-up to um, the World Cup, and Canada was doing its, um, you know, World Cup warm-up games, 
and they were playing a game against Leinster. Now, Leinster um, may be a provincial side from Ireland, but they are still considered one of the best sides in all of Europe. So, and you know, certain international teams aren't going to be available for World Cup warm-ups. So get one of the best provincial sides in. And the week of the game, it was announced that Canada would not be broadcasting the game on television. Only oh, yeah. to then reverse the decision 24 hours later and say the game will be on Facebook Live. Oh, yeah. And, right, right. Wow. And for someone who's worked in sports broadcasting, I that is a monumentally stupid decision to announce, never mind to actually implement. Because first of all, they had to have a camera crew there because there was TMO. So you knew they needed to have a standard that was um, broadcastable. But then by not having anything in place to, say, recuperate costs through advertising, for example, and you're just announcing, oh, it's going to be on Facebook Live. Well, if you're on Facebook Live, if any music is played in the stadium, you have to mute that immediately because that's not done under copyright. <laughs> and that's the thing. Club game, club games will say like, oh, we have a preseason fixture and it'll be on Facebook Live. And you'll see it in the stadium and they will uh, mute the, or the stadium mics and just get the commentators and that will be it because they don't have the rights to broadcast that music on Facebook mm-hmm. Live. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the best um, analogies for it is that Rugby Canada have been saving pennies and losing dollars. They've been making decisions that a lot of people in the rugby community do not agree with. I've just been reading stuff on Reddit, on Twitter, um, articles yeah. by um, provincial rugby, and it's the whole status of um, pay to play that is in position in Canada at the moment. Now, I can understand that if you have your national training facility in one province and you have a player of star quality in another province, they're obviously going to have to travel out there and that's going to cost money. I'm not denying that, but it's when I've seen accounts of coaches saying that the players that are going to the Rugby Canada like sponsored or backed camps and they're costing twelve hundred dollars and by going to this camp you may be selected for the match day 23 it's and they've and they'll be mentioning that they have seen some of the best players that they've ever seen in their life if they had the resources they could take them to be on the level of say dth van der Merwe, for example but because their parents don't make a lot of money or it's a single parent situation and they don't have financial backing, their journey ends at a certain level. Yeah. They don't come back. That's another player that's missed out on. It's it's interesting that you you kind of bring that up because it was I saw um, Sean Windsor, uh former Arrows player, he's current coach of uh the Brock University Badgers in the OUA right now. Um that's basically what he said. Um, on um, the Rugby Canada, like the social media post, the Instagram post, excuse me, on, um, you know, the one uh, the one that you know is never a good thing when they just show they do the picture of the uh, corner flag. And it's like whenever you that's like Rugby Canada's like whatever this post is about, it's not good picture. 
Um, right. So it's like, so he, uh, Sean Windsor's comment on the post, which I did like because it's like everybody else's comment is just like burn, burn the buildings to the ground and everything. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like his is like fire will solve everything. Yeah, we're gonna. Well, his his is like we're actually like let's think about this and like co- try to come up with solutions here. Um. So he said, "Hats off to the players. Effort was not an issue. Uh, the boys battled as always. Hundred percent true. I'll get to that in a minute. Um. The the rugby Canada system is broken and has been for a while." Unfortunately, the pay-to-play system doesn't work. Lots of talent slips through the cracks because they can't afford X amount of dollars to play for their provincial program and get identified. There needs to be more programs like turf and support from outside to help subsidize our up-and-comers. It's a tough ask considering it costs a lot of money. Um, He just uses a bunch of dollar signs to illustrate a lot of money. Um, But we need to find a way to build from the ground up. And it is you know one of the absolute like most liked comments on this entire post um but yeah it's you know what i mean i think i think that's the thing right and i i I do love that he started that with like you know the the players you know um you know talking about it's like the effort the effort was not an issue the boys battled as always um which is 100 percent true man and it's like i think the thing that's kind of getting lost in this a little bit you know is you know what the players have probably had to go through this year. Um, you know, at no yeah. point in any of the games, whether it was the games in the UK or any of the World Cup qualifiers, they ever look at a play and be like, you know, that player and think like, you know, a player has given up on the play or they look like they weren't trying. I think it's like, you know, evidence is like they scored a try in the 80th minute, right? Like they battled, you know, they played their hearts out until the end, you know, even, even if it, you know, it looked bleak. And I think, I think you got to feel. I just you feel for a lot of the players that are maybe like missing out on a World Cup in their prime, and you know some guys that may be missing out on what, what could have been their last World Cup as well. Also, yeah. like gotta feel like for like some some of these guys that play for the Arrows, like there's 12 guys on the squad that play for the Arrows, and it's like, you know, like how how many days have they been at home since February? Like four? Like yeah. I I mean I don't even five nights, four days. Well, like, yeah, like it's, you know, they have like you, they played the whole season in Atlanta, right? They, you know, the guys that are on team Canada got shipped off to the UK at the end of that season. They probably came back for like a little bit, I would hope. And then they got shipped off to Newfoundland where they bubbled up there too. Right. And they had to, you know what I mean? Then they had to go to Colorado, then to Langford, BC, right down to Chile, like, you know what I mean? It's like they just went from the arrow season to camp to the next camp to the next camp or whatever. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, like how, I don't know how many times, like, you know, every, every now and then you see somebody has got like a girlfriend or something that has a birthday and they, there's like a little post and it's just like, it's always like captioned with like miss you or whatever, like happy yeah. birthday and stuff. And it's like, you, you see it pop up sometimes and it's like, yeah, like you feel, I, I just kind of feel for those guys too, like just because, man, it's like yeah, like when was last like they probably haven't been home, like properly home or for any significant length of time since like February or uh, yeah. March, I guess, whenever they moved to Atlanta, um, right? And it's like, man, it's just how hard must this year have been? And it accumulates with probably the most disappointing moment of their athletic careers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that being said, it's like, there's obviously a lot of changes. There's changes 
that have to come right um as you said like people like sean windsor and stuff they've identified maybe there's a little bit of an issue with a pay-to-play structure um Stu, i think i think that's the thing right is i think you kind of hit it a little bit i think with the um you know talking about that that leinster match which i totally forgot but yeah they did that um put it on like facebook or something but um but it's like there has to be we're definitely at the point now whether it's changing up that pay-to-play structure you know more focus on grassroots more focus on development whatever you want to do but it's like the one thing that is is clear is and what is abundantly clear man is like there needs to be major changes to the whole organization i think a lot of people have you know probably put out the obvious one like and you know it's pro sports man when you fail to do the thing that you're supposed to do like make the playoffs qualify for a world cup whatever man it's the coach the coach is the first guy that goes it's he's always the first guy that goes right um it's it's true in in every sport and i mean you know it's it's King. I, I don't know how you keep Kingsley Jones and keep people happy. I have no it right. Like, there's no way you, you can do it. The, you can't no, do it. You Sorry, can't. Stupid. Yeah. So the second question we have is what needs to be done in the short term. This yeah. means between now and let's say October 2022. Yeah. And yeah, Kingsley Jones. He has to go. Um, I, he, has to go. he may be able to just stick around for the autumn nope. tour. If I, dis- I even disagree with that. But yeah, like why in, people, man? Like why? Yeah. Well, I mean, if he goes, then maybe you could have um, uh, who who could come in as an interim? Who's been an interim coach before for a team in red, and has done like fifty fifty well? Um, some he he did it for Wales, I think, and now he's with Canada. I can't. Ah, uh, the R H R. It's, yeah, it's so close okay, to yeah, RC. Like Rob yeah, Howley yeah. is uh, that's your suggestion. Oh well, what, yeah, what a yeah. great idea, Derek! And you came up with it. You could, you could, but I mean, hey, he's the attack coach, right? Yeah, and that's what Canada needs now: all attack. Yeah, they need his head coach as an attack coach spent the, and uh, an attack coach. As yeah, well. I was gonna say we we spent the entire the whole the whole qualifying series complaining about the attack, and then we're like promote the attack coach. But that thing, you then get another attack coach. Yeah, exactly. Get a different attack coach. I don't know. Yeah, like, one of which is just bring knives onto the field. Yeah, I mean, you can interim tag attack. it. Be like, you'll have uh, is the Coastal Cup over by then? Just have Phil Mack hop on a plan. That he won a he's won an MLR championship as a player coach, right? That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's like I think you got to do that. You if you bring in a new coach, I mean, if you do promote Howley or if you bring in somebody else, I mean, if you bring in somebody else, you probably end up getting rid of a bunch of assistant coaches and other staff too, and let that guy bring in his own staff. Um, I think the, the the obvious thing, like, is I think over the past year, um, there is a clear need for just a major culture change. Yeah, that's that's something that needs to be um, done. And I mean, and yeah, because the thing is, is that I've said in more like shouting matches rather than conversations with <laughs> other people is that the even from like an outsider looking in, moving your a base of operations from the most populated province in Canada to a literal island speaks I mean, volumes about yeah, like, what it is. The location of the national training facility doesn't really bother me that much. Um, it is a little bit harder to get to, and I don't know, like 
maybe that does factor into people's decisions to want to go there or whatever, but it's like, you got to play somewhere. The one ben- the big benefit of playing out there though, is it doesn't snow that much. So you can play outside almost all year round. Right. Like that is that, true. A cli- it does a climate benefit to putting it out there. Um, but I, I don't think like Kenna's biggest problem is not the physical location of the Al Sharon training center. No, but like, it's, that is, that is far it's the, from it's the, the culture that allowed problem. that to happen. But it's in the sense of instead of being because even though I know it's going back to like uh, pay to play, there would be um, families from like the GTA that would have to go to Ottawa or vice versa. And yeah, but, st- but still, that is le- that is less expensive than flying all the way out to BC to then yeah. either get another plane or a ferry to Vancouver Island. And I think this. And it's not even to say that you only need to have one training facility. Obviously, with a country the size of Canada, maybe having two, two yeah. well, facilities like, would mean, be beneficial. How are you going to pay for that now? Exactly. Like, exactly. Like in, World Cup, like how are you going to pay for that? I don't well, think. Like, I'm that's not, the thing. As long as, if you can get like Bell or Rogers onto Rugby Canada <laughs> for, for any rugby. Yeah, uh, and any ice hockey players that are like rugby in their spare time that know the contacts at uh, hockey players MLSE or anything like that, we can uh, we can resolve this overnight. But yeah, um, I, I yeah, don't think in reality. I mean, I don't think where the facility is is that big of a deal. Um, it's like when, I, when I'm looking at the changes, it's like the the bit like what are you going to do? You're going to move the the building? It's already built. Like you can't going to move. Like it's there. Um. Yeah, but that, that it's like you kind of look at what what's been going on with like rugby Canada in like the, this entire year, where it's like you know on the pitch, like everybody lost, right? Like there hasn't been like what what on pitch success has happened this year. The game against the USA, and that's cool. It. They lost the series though. Yeah, like, that's right. It's like they haven't. It's like the uh, the women's sevens team. Um, you know, terrible at the World Cup. Or Did, at the didn't Olympics. even make the finals. Playoffs. Uh, yeah, the, the men's, men's, the men's, the men's seven seems actually to maybe. go from not qualifying to yeah. eighth in the world. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not too bad. It's not, it's not too bad, but still, it's not great. And, and like, finished fifth in the uh, World Series I mean, recently. But it's like the other thing, man. Well, it's like we're talking about. It's like Kingsley Jones probably has to go. It's the obvious one. The coach has yeah. to go. Yeah, right. It's you know as far as the men, but it's like. I think when we're talking about this, like you need that culture change. I think it's, it's got to come from like everyone in rugby Canada. Yeah. Right. And I think one of the big spots too, is it's like, yo, like where does this, like how much does this sit on like Alan Vanson and how much pressure entirely does, because yeah, he's yeah, exactly right. Yeah. He's the guy that hired Kingsley Jones, well, yeah, but it's like the he, entire from, from a business perspective. Yeah. Not even, I'm not even going to talk about rugby for a second from a business perspective. You were meant to find the people that could ensure mm. the highest revenue income for your business. Yeah. It's... And you have failed at that. But yeah, like your, your position's untenable. No, exactly. Right. And like you kind of look at it and it's like, look, like, look at what's happened this year. Right. There's that that whole situation between the women's sevens team and John Tate. Yeah. Right. Which I think, in all honesty, like regardless of what side, of the fence you're falling on that. I think everybody can agree that this has been handled absolutely horrendously. Oh God. Yeah. Right. To the point where it's like, you know, even this past weekend, 
the the players on the women's sevens team took to Instagram and their social medias to, um, you know, voice their displeasure of John Tate being hired by BC Rugby, which just a couple hours ago has now led to Jen Kish to put out this like a five page page is page the right word for an Instagram post a five swipe. I don't know, whatever, yeah. um, like a five panel Instagram post outlining all the reasons why she loved playing for John Tate. Right. And it's like this situation has not been solved at no. all, it has not been settled at all to the point where it's like, you know, a free like, you know, like you said, it's like a coach of another team got fired um, as a result of this situation and some tweets that he sent in reaction to this situation when yeah. they lost, um, you know, hey, and it's I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, it can't be. And it also, too, it's like. Whenever Canada like lost a line out or um like you know did bad in a scrum, did it ever cross your mind that's like oh yeah the forwards coach is gone because he got fired for tweets a couple months ago, um nope. right and it's like you know so it's like that's gone and it's like it's still you know at this point in time it's still like um the fact that you know the players right like Jen Kish you know putting out what she like you know that post it's like you know it's not. It's just, it's like, we're still at the point where it's like Rugby Canada staff and former Rugby Canada players are still fighting about this on social media, right? And it's just, it's just a horrible, it's just, it's a terrible look for the organization, no matter what side is right, right? It's just horrendous, horrendous look for the organization still that this still has not been settled. That this still has not been solved. Um, Mick Byrne is no longer the coach of the women's sevens team either. He's going to go coach uh, the Fijian Dura in uh, Super Rugby. Right. So it's like the women's sevens team still doesn't have a coach. Yeah. Right. And in all honesty, like the women's seven team doesn't have a coach. The men's seven, the men's 15s team shouldn't have a coach right now. Right. And my big question, my question is to that too, is this like, who wants to come here to coach? Like who's, who's going to, who wants, who's like looking at, Oh, there's a vacancy in Canada. Let's go. Like um, who the only wants coach to- that would be interested is one who can take who's credit from it. Like probably who's Canadian or yeah. already here, like you know, what, like even like well, what's his name? Aaron Carpenter was mutually parted ways with the Arrows. Maybe yeah. he's a shoe in for a head coach of Canada. Maybe I mean that's a, that's a, I mean one hey, of the best ideas I've heard. Yeah, it's like I can't can't get worse. I think though too, it's like you know you kind of look at rugby Canada over the course of the time, and it's like all right, so so the women's sevens team right now on the pitch off the pitch right now the women's seven team is a disaster. The men's team on the pitch, at the very least, is a disaster. Um, the men's 15s team on the pitch is a disaster. Like the men's 7s team, too. I mean, like you said, they kind of improved a little bit. Let's not forget that they went on strike like two years ago. Yeah. Like and under, now all under the, and now all the, too. the best and long guard, the old guard have left. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, like, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like you kind of look at it and then, okay. So like, let's, let's even talk about that. It's like, there's the premier sports thing, right? Which I mean, I think you can count on, like, I don't even know. I was going to say, you can't even, I was going to say you can count on your hands, like how many people appear to like that. But I mean, you have 10 fingers on your hands. That's way too much. Um, But like, like, what do you, you know what I mean? Nobody liked the premier sports deal. Um, and, you know, the fact that also the team lost doesn't help. Does It never helps when the team's losing. You can have all the problems in the world if you're like the Springboks can have 
all the problems in the world as long as they get to see fat the clerk leaning on like yeah but we have this this trophy here like right so it's like we're okay are you saying kingsley jones needs to do an hour video of how uh the chilean team bettered him and that uh should be brought up before world rugby Oh, I don't know. Well, they didn't care about the eye gouge thing. So, I mean, I don't know how much World Rugby is going to care. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think that's the oh, man. But it's like, that's the whole thing. The thing, though, right, is it's like there's just been so much like dysfunction. And it's like it, it adds up to, you know what I mean? Like people notice when players names are spelt wrong on the match yeah. sheet. So it doesn't matter how fast you delete that tweet or whatever. It's like people notice when players names are spelt wrong right and it's like you know and then it's you know it's it's little things like that like i even saw like you know the the new kits come out and like you know i like the black jersey a lot of people don't and it's like a lot of people have decided to make it like kind of vocal that they don't like the black jersey which i mean that's a subjective thing who cares but it's like um right it's like some people it's it's a subjective thing some people are gonna like the jersey some people aren't but it's like you know like you know, the fact that it's like, all right, people like Rugby Canada fans, like we can't even get happy about jerseys right now because we're just so mad at Rugby Canada. Yeah. Right. It's like, you know what I mean? Or, or the fact that they release them for general sale after oh. the summer tour and oh, after yeah. the Olympics. After that, after, yeah, after barely after the like the Olympics or whatever, too. Yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all just wild, too. And it's like, you're looking at like the TV deal, right? Yeah. Or whatever. It's like, okay, so they ended up on Premier Sports for whatever reason. Right. But it's like, you know what I mean? Like the concern to me is it's like with that, it's like how appealing. And I guess this is a big part of like why, why this law, I think this loss matters for a lot of things, right? Like how appealing is a Canadian, a Canada list rugby world cup to TSN or Sportsnet for them to, to broadcast it? Right, like how appealing is a Canada-less rugby World Cup to to zero? Right? It's not. Um, you know what I mean. And you know, even if it is, it's like, does it get the coverage, or does it just get relegated to like streaming service and stuff? Right? Or does it get like proper? Because this is going to be in France, right? So it's going to be a yeah, nice so, time zone. That's a so nice yeah, time gonna, zone, right? Like, yeah. So France. if let's say that the World Cup final will be eight p.m. Uh, French time. Or 8 p.m. GMT. So that's like what two here? That would be two or one here. Three o'clock. Oh, okay. Well, I'm off. So uh, early afternoon, but on the Saturday, that's yeah. You know that that also will be in like this will probably be around like this time of the year. So it could be during um, the CFL during the basketball preseason during the start of the hockey season. Yeah, it's going to be online. Oh. Like it's, but like that, but that's, that's the thing though, right? It's like, how appealing is that? And like, the other thing too is, is like, we want to talk and it's like um, the grassroots thing too though. Right. Um, And, and, you know, and everybody and everything else is like, everyone brings up was like, you know, the, the money's that's, you know, the things that got to go to the grassroots program, develop that, you know, encourage, you know, more people to play or whatever. Right. We've always talked about how it's like, you know, the Toronto arrows, it's like, it's cool to see, like, there's a pathway to professionalism, right? That's going to be appealing to people that maybe want to pursue it makes the player pool bigger. Right. It's like the one thing though, too, is it's like, I don't, I'm curious to see, like I said, 
10 years ago or whatever, when I was getting into rugby, one of the big appeals to me was that Canada was good. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, now that I'm like, I'm thinking about it. It's like, okay. It's like how appealing is getting into rugby from a, like even just a viewing perspective going to be with like Canada. That's not only bad, but not even in the world cup. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, is, is, is that going to hurt it? Just the fact that they're bad teams. And it's like, like, even like, I remember like my days working at the hockey hall of fame when the Leafs sucked. Right. And it's like, you would see like people would, and I mean, it's the Leafs. They're a massive outlier in sports. Right. It's like, no matter how bad they are, that the barn is full. Yeah. But it was like the one thing that you would notice though, when people would come in to the hall would be like kids weren't wearing Leaf jerseys. Yeah. Like you would never see kids in leaf jerseys, right? They were in, you know, Penguins jerseys or Blackhawks jerseys or, mm-hmm. you know, Bruins jerseys, like the good teams, yeah. right? That's what kids would wear. Adults that love the Leafs and even those kids that probably like the Leafs too. It's like you wouldn't see, nobody showed up with like Grabowski jerseys on. It's like everyone was wearing like Sundin or Gilmore or Clark or like even going back even further than that. Like, but like, Right. And it's like an obvious, you know what I mean? And it's like, if you're bad, it does hurt. Yeah. Right. It hurts like mer- like merchandise sales. It hurts, you know, it hurts viewership. Like, cause even at this, like in all honesty right now, immediate effect, how much do you care about that game against Portugal? I don't. Yeah, ex- right. Exactly. And we, we have a rug, we have a podcast talking about Canadian rugby and I'm yeah. just like, man, I honestly, like just just go to next year like come back, they, come back they could win that game a hundred plus to nothing and i'd be like yeah it cool. doesn't change the fact they're not going to the world cup you're not going to the world cup yeah exactly that that game, that could be a world record that you could win 500 to nothing yeah right I, it's like i would just be like yeah i mean cool you should have done that a month ago or whatever right like i, I you know what i mean like and it's like like where does that that interest that interest go and it's like in all honesty too i'm like what do you do next year because it's like next year i'm like oh you would play like the other qual- you would keep going in like the world cup qualification some summer internationals like what's wh- how does this affect like the quality of opposition that canada gets oh it goes right down it goes yeah exactly it goes because like, yeah, cool. we better get used to not even belgium yeah like yeah it's not even a case right? of oh you know Uruguay have now qualified so they don't have anything going on so they can play can no uruguay can now play against argentina yeah they they can play solid they can play against south africa they can play against any of these they can play against japan they can play against any of these nations that have already qualified yeah because the common theme is they don't have to worry about qualification i guess again you could say the same for canada but for all the wrong reasons but it's Um, like i mean you you can play it it's like but that's even the thing like you know I, I kind of made the joke earlier. It's like, what do, like what's 2023 look like? Like, what do teams... I don't even know this because it's like I've never even looked into it. Like, what do teams do? Like, what are the country, the teams that don't play at the World Cup? What do they do in a World Cup year? Is that, do I'm they sure have, there are, I'm sure like, there are, like, end of year tournaments. internationals, but that is during, like, the standard yeah. test window. Actually, I mean, yeah, well, there's, def- there's definitely tournaments and stuff, but it's like, you know, like, I don't know, like... Like even like well, looking at the world. Well, rankings, here's here's, here's a question then. Like, here's a question then. We're not looking at 2023. We're looking at 2027 now. Hmm. So we've talked about like some short term things of like who needs to go, 
what needs to do. What needs to happen? Let's say the qualification process is exactly the same. It'll be a two-match series against um, the USA, and then Canada will go on to face either South America 1 or South America 2. Yeah. Or, and qualify for either America's 1 or America's 2. What needs to be put in place that not only is Canada more competitive, but they also have the edge that they formerly had? What, what do you think would that would be like? Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I, I think I said it's like the short term, my short term answer is like you need a complete change in culture. Which probably yeah. means a lot of people that are currently working for Rugby Canada are no longer doing so, right? As part of that. And then you need, but it's like your first step is like you got to find the people that can come in that are willing to like change that culture that also like want to be here, that want to be here too, right? Because it's like, I think that's still something that looms over this qualification. I think Tyler Ardron showed up for the final game. Was essentially a non-factor. Yeah, not that maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe non-factor is a little harsh, but you know, obviously didn't make that. Didn't make. It wasn't like a, a didn't result in them winning the game. Um, he you know what I mean he he kind of blended in. He didn't stand out as like a unreal player or whatever. And that's coming off like a I think he he won man of the match in the top fourteen like the week before too. Um, but it's like I think you do kind of have to look at you know, a little bit of like that culture thing being like, yo, like, where are all the other European guys? Yeah. Right. Like where, like, where are you? Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, so it's like, I think that's, that's a question that has to be asked too. Um, I think there, there needs to be. Yeah. So it's like, I think the short-term thing is definitely the, um, you know, get get rid of everyone that needs to be getting rid of. I know that there's obviously they're still doing that. They're, they're doing that high performance review that they were having to do anyways, because again, the, you know, they're dealing with a disastrous situation between uh, the women's sevens team and uh, John Tate. So it's like they're doing that review. That report needs to come out. That's just a side tangent, but it just, that report needs to come out and be public. Um, yeah. But again, that's another thing, right? It's like the cultural thing, right? And I mean, we talked about this. Is like you have to come in. New people need to come in and new people need to change this culture, right? And new people need to, you need to change the culture. It's part of it. Part of what everyone was kind of pointing out a lot, right, was the similarities in Alan Vance's statements too. Yeah. Right. Um, where, you know, between from losing to Uruguay in 2018, to go to the repishage tournament versus now. And it's like, awesome, man. It's like, you can do like, you know what I mean? Like you can do all the reviews that you want, but it's like, you need to, like, there needs to be change. Um, But it's like the culture shift also kind of has to happen too. Where it's like, you know, why, like, we should be devastated that they're not in the world cup, obviously. Yeah. But it's also like, is there not a part of you that is like good. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Cause it's like, all right, like this, this clearly changed, like the change clearly needed to happen. Right. And it's like, I feel like, you know, maybe there's things that happen that it's like, you know, it's just prolonging it. And it's like, if they beat Chile and it's like, we got to wait till the repishage tournament, it probably just, everything just stays the same. Right. Yeah. Um. So like, that is the good thing, but it's like, you need to do that. But I think it's also like, you need to change like that little bit of like, I guess like the 
the attitude and everything. Because right, what Brian Kelly wrote in his article was is like it shouldn't come as a shock. Yeah, and I think the sad thing is is I think you could feel that as a fan base, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. I think looking at Rugby Canada, you can feel it, right? Where it's like this, you know what I mean? Like it's like whatever it is right now, like you said, it's like you know, with the exception of. I guess the women's 15s team, which I mean, keep them as far apart from the rest of rugby Canada as you possibly can right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, like there just seems to me like there's the overall like losing culture. Right. So that might, that you have to fix. So it's like, like, I don't know, like what needs to be done, done in the long term, Right. Um, obviously I, I think there's the grassroots development has to, has to kind of happen. Right. Um, I think, like you said, I think even with that, as kind of Windsor kind of alluded to, like things like turf and stuff, it's like you're not, we're not good enough to limit who can play rugby. Um, but like, I think you need I'm trying to think, man, before 20, it's like. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm so locked into the short term thing of like new coaches and everything that it's like the long term. What do you like? What do you need to do? And like, see, I'm so locked into it. And I don't know if it's just because I'm mad that they lost, but I'm just like, change everything. Like, I don't know. Like, there's not like, what, what do you, what do you want to? I, I don't know. Maybe just, maybe, maybe I'm just trying to buy myself some time to think here, Stu. But like, what, what, what do you like that Rugby Can is doing right now? That needs to that you would say needs to be kept. Is there anything? I would say you have things that are in place that wouldn't have made an impact now, but can make an impact for 2027. By mm. that I mean things like the Pacific Pride program. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Also, one of the things that has come up is um, at Major League Rugby. Of course, as well. yes. Now you like- have, in, but in the same sense, you have people saying that. Or oh, MLR hasn't really done anything, to which I say it has been two and a half years, essentially, of Toronto playing. And only mm-hmm. one of those seasons, they had home games. I think the, the one thing is, like, I agree with you. So the Pacific Pride Program, bringing that back, yes, that's probably the best thing that Rugby Canada has done. Yeah. In, like, the at least for the men's 15 squad, that's probably the best thing that Rugby Canada has done. Obviously, they need to keep that. They need to keep that focus on developing the young talent. The Toronto Air. The thing is, is it's like I agree with the MLR and the Toronto Arrows point. Um, the Toronto Arrows, obviously, you know they're doing. They're, we have uh, the rugby rally coming up this week, right? Arrows fifteen yeah. going to be a mix of Arrows players and some guys from the academy and stuff, mm-hmm. right? The Arrows are doing what I think is a great job of developing that pathway, yeah. right? Creating some and, the, and they've the made opportunities. it incredibly they clear. Yeah. what you can do and it's also not as in it it's not saying this is the only thing to do yeah and and i know and i know there's a bit of crossover and stuff but it's like the slight thing that i have with that though is like the toronto arrows aren't rugby canada no right so are we like are we saying this like going forward we're gonna are we relying on the toronto arrows to do rugby canada's job you know what I, I mean? mean? Like that's kind of from a financial like, point of view, we may not well, have a choice. Yeah, like maybe, maybe from. I think the, the one big thing though that I think is 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 clear, right? Um, we need more guys playing pro, 
Yes. Um, this is more guys that's playing. actually well, what I was going to transition to. At, at the very least, more guys playing. And, you know, there's uh, – I don't necessarily think that means – like, I've, I've always kind of been on this, I guess, that I don't necessarily think that means you need a second Canadian MLR team um, because, you know, hey, like, there's nothing – like there's nothing preventing Canadian players from playing on. I mean, there's still some visa issues that uh, the league's got to sort out. But yeah, but um, that's the thing. Like, as MLR gets bigger, hopefully. Those uh, yeah, exactly. It's like you hope that that's gone. The bigger MLR gets. Uh, you know, I love what BC Curry Hitchborn, the lads out in BC, are doing right now with the Coastal Cup. Um, only one game this weekend. The Pacific Pride kind of you know steamrolled over the Crimson Tide. All the team names rhyme out there. Um, but like you can't um i guess that's the thing right this is like the whether it's the coastal cup or whether it's like arrows academy or whether it's going to be you know like this atlantic 15s team and stuff that's going to be put out there and it's like you need to give guys more opportunities to play at you know high levels so things yeah. that like need like like what like what can rugby canada do to get like full proper u sport status for men's rugby yeah, right. I think it's like that's still a thing that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, there still needs to be some right? form of change at I think every yeah. level. Like even oh, yeah. even at elementary school, you can get kids interested in tag rugby. But in the idea of that, if elementary school kids can get into like tag rugby, you yeah. know, no no contact, nothing dangerous. Mm-hmm. That's the stepping stone to getting kids interested. Yeah, get, in the get, sport. Uh, get get some rugby balls in kids' hands earlier. Exactly, yeah, and then and then you have the, like the high school. Now there's the Canadian um, men's university rugby championship, but yeah, that should be something that's pushed into like youth sports. There's even there's even the idea of bringing back some version of um, the CRC. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that we start it next week. I'm no, saying no, no, yeah, it, it's like, something that you something, like. Yeah. A high like, performance, a high performance like tournament. Yeah. But that's the thing. If yeah. you look at if you look at the um, Coastal Cup at the moment, and if it's a case of, um, you know, like Pacific Pride win all their games year after year after year, you may say like, well, maybe we can move that Pacific Pride into a new for, form of. The CRC, the Canadian yeah, Rugby I mean, Championship. Well, I mean, like, it's the, the Coastal Cup, like, I mean, I don't know. It seems like it's going pretty well so far. Maybe there's, you know, I I don't know what the future is of that competition, but maybe, you know, you can kind of have other kind of high performance. We got, like, um, there's, like, a, the Canadian University, you know, championship or whatever. Like, that's still yeah. pretty new. That's growing. You know, hopefully yeah. that gets bigger. That gets more. I think, though, too, like you, you kind of touched on, it's, like, you need – the other big thing too, right, is like it's not just to me. It's not just like you got to put balls in kids' hands and stuff um, with some you keep programs. Them there. But it's like, like, what do we got to do to get more like rugby like content and stuff too, right? Um, you know, because the the interest, the thing that I find interesting, and it's like I know it's it's come up a lot with this Premier Sports one. Um, for me, the only thing that really bothered me about Premier Sports in all honesty, was that, um, like, you know, it was just, it was just extra money to spend really. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, do you have cable Stu? Let me ask, no, let's no, ask I you that question. Right. And see, neither do I. And it's like the one thing that 
uh, like comes up a lot is just, um, you know, it's like the benefit of like TSN or I'll loop in Sportsnet too, even though Sportsnet's never showed Canada rugby games. Yeah. But it's just as a big channel, right? The benefit of it being on like that kind of platform is that people can like stumble across it or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, how, how often do you channel surf anymore? You know what I mean? Really? Um, and I mean, well, like, I, I don't have cable, so I don't. Yeah, so. exactly. Like me neither. Right. Um, you know, it's like, we're, we're at that, like the entertainment that you want is just at your fingertips. And it's like, like, what does Canada have to do to get that? Cause it's like, even if you're on TSN on the, the streaming platforms and stuff, right. It's like, you gotta, like, there's a lot of events that I see. Like when I go to look for a rugby game, there's a lot of events that I see. Like, I'll be like, Oh, pull up. And it's like, Oh yeah. Baseball playoffs. I'm like, I don't feel like watching that. So I don't click it. Right. Yeah. It's not like I'm, I'm not stumbling. You don't like, when was the last time you stumbled across something? Like on anything, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Like, and, and I, I kind of wonder, it's like, okay, like what is Rugby Canada or Rugby Canada, Major League Rugby even, right? Like, or, or like the Toronto Arrows in general. It's like, what do we got to do to get rugby like more visible? Like how are teams, like, you know what, what is rugby, like, is there something that Rugby Canada can do from like a marketing perspective that is yes. like, help reach like younger kids and stuff? Well, this is too, right? something that, um, has happened recent in the past few years with Formula One, which now that's definitely a pay-to-play sport. But, <laughs> um, but this is the thing: is that as uh, Formula One was born out by Liberty Media, there was a drastic change from the standard hmm. TV audience that you get on, say, like TSN Five or ESPN. Yeah, and there's been a marked change towards moving towards things like YouTube and Instagram and things like mm. that. So now you have these Formula One content creators who are using um, game footage as well as race footage as well. And I mean, like, even if you look at one of the biggest rugby YouTubers, Squidge Rugby, yeah. he can't mention anything about the rugby championship because it gets immediately flagged by Samsung. Um, yes, true. I've had... So, um. I was going to say, I've had some like videos that I've tried to upload here too, that I've tried to use like a Canada try occasionally. Can like World well, Canada World. try or anything by a Canadian player in the, the Premier, French the League. The Premier, immediately yeah, the Premier, sport, Premier Sports has actually been good for that. I've actually been for that. It's like, they're not, it's yeah. like, I haven't had any issues uploading like a video clip or whatever from. Uh, exactly. From but, and this is the thing is that, especially when it comes to tournaments that uh, Rugby Canada would oversee, yeah. What you need to have in place for that is the freedom for people to talk about, like us to talk mm, about yeah. it, or I would say, or even just like casual like sports fans. The to like ML, talk about that's it. one of those things. The MLR has been is great, great with that. it. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. The rugby. I like. I think rugby can. I think can. I don't know. It's like I don't know if it's so much can learn from it, but it's like. Um, I think what you were, you were kind of talking about though, like. Uh, I don't know, Stu, am I off base in uh, trying to predict where your point's going to go, but like the the Drive to Survive show, is that kind of in line of what, you know, with your F1 comparison at all? Uh, it's in like... line in the sense of, for those of you that don't know, Drive to Survive is a Netflix series that goes behind the scenes of a Formula One season. So and each season of Drive to Survive is a season of Formula One. And it comes out after the season's completed. So you already know who's going to win certain races. You already know 
what's going to happen. But it's aimed at people who don't watch Formula One. So the same thing would be, let's say, just using a hypothetical here, we were to do like Drive to Survive, but it's about the arrows. And it's available on CBC or Netflix, doesn't matter. But it's the idea of getting non-rugby fans involved because even though it does include race footage, it obviously has to include race footage. The majority (laughs) of it is behind the scenes. It's the human element of sport because it's very easy to watch sporting broadcasts and just see names and players and not see the people behind them. Yeah, is if, that an, another good example? More close to home would be the All or Nothing the uh, series. Yeah, I still haven't watched that yet, but yeah. Um, like I think yeah. So it's like I don't know. Like, is that something? Do we need to like change that up, right? And like, yeah. you know, do something to kind of like, as you said, like if it's, it's not just putting ball like the ball in kids' hands and stuff. It's like I think you kind of have to do a little bit of, you know. That, that extra work too, like the marketing the game, making the game like more appealing. However, though, I do think that that might be a challenge now, especially with the men's 15s team, because it's like, you know, you got to do the marketing and be like, you know, it's like, we're not going to the World Cup. We're playing, yeah. you know, maybe playing, you know, lower tier teams, maybe, you know, having to, although maybe that's the way you spin it. And like yeah. you can start doing that and be like, hey, here's the uh, the road back to the World Cup. Exactly. Right? That's the Maybe thing. That's is that, that. It's like the journey back or whatever. I mean, obviously, the best like the thing. best time to have done this would have been a few years ago. Yeah. But obviously, the old, this, yeah. this, can, this can be the starting point. This can be like Ted Lasso coming over and <laughs> becoming the head coach. I still haven't watched that show yet either. Oh, you've got it, mate. It's fantastic. Yeah, um, but in the sense of everyone starts small, everyone starts yeah. at the beginning place. And you can say that this is the history of Rugby Canada. We had qualified for every single World Cup until now. Until now, yeah. This is our (laughs) new genesis. This is our new beginning. This is our new start. Well, that's that's the other thing too. Like the new start, I think. Um, You know, let's not let's not completely. I I don't think on the off the pitch. I think a lot of stuff needs to change. Right. Um, We mentioned new coaches. Uh, new new CEO, probably yeah. a few other new bodies have to, co- you know, come in to like you know enhance that as well. Um, but it's like you know on the pitch, man. There's some like really good young players on like even on the team now, but even like coming up, right? Guys like Michael Smith, who yeah. was in the lineup for every game, but barely played. Um, which is like. I don't know. I don't know. It's another thing that I'm question. Great metaphor. Um, the, the, yeah, I was gonna say the use of the bench in this uh, in the qualifying something else too. Um, but it's like Michael Smith there, Vicky Lani. Um, yep. you know guys like Quinn Nawadi, who again wasn't used at all in the series, right? Um, Lockie Kratz is in there. Mason Flesh, um, Tyler Rowland, right? Um, Quatrin, Cole Keith. Those guys are still pretty young too. Um, right, like. You know, even though they have a lot of caps, they're, they're like, well, Keith's got a decent chunk of caps and stuff. Um, but it's like, you know, those guys are all still young too. And then you kind of like look at some players that are like kind of coming up, like guys on the pride that are already in MLR. Um, you know, then you have um, 
right guys like you know like all everybody that has the last name carson right there's like you know james o'neill looks like he's going to be a really good player coming up too right it's like our back row looks amazing um right and it's like you know what like we we need a fly half um right can we all agree that peter nelson's not the fly half to go forward is that a can we agree on this now are you willing to be on my side on this one yet Stu? I'm not 100% there, but as soon as it was announced oh. that Will Kelly was going to be the fly half for yeah, the, it's like you knew he was um, the Arrow Selects game, I was like, I yeah. don't think Will Kelly is going to be starting this match. But yeah, um, um, but like, so it's like, you, but I mean, even even at that, um, you need a fly half. I think that's the, bi- the biggest glaring hole, right? So it's like, maybe you got, you know, maybe you got some guys, you know, in the pipeline, like a uh, Logan Martin Feek, who's going to, you know, drafted by the arrows and stuff. Yeah. Right. Will Kelly um, hasn't really been given a proper shot with the the Canadian national team yet. Yeah. Um. So it's like, you kind of, there's, there's some guys that, you know, are there that I think you can get excited about. Yeah. Um, I, especially Crosby like Stewart the- isn't like he was on the Sabercats all year. He never played. Or whatever. Um, he's scoring tries in the Coastal Cup right now. So like, yeah. that's that's well, this is the thing, is that especially having the two Canadian scrum halves on the same team at the moment means that if you're gonna have um Martin Feek or Will Kelly as I mean, fly halves, fly halves. Yeah. No, scrum half and the fly half partnership has to oh, be the partnership, a yeah. good partnership. And if you can say, Oh yeah, sixteen games of the year they're playing week in week out to develop that partnership you know sometimes we're mixing it up but at least we have that connection in place then that's similar to what chile did they were having their um partnership going throughout (laughs) i mean the the, well not really because they had actually yeah tori alva was in austin at the time but in the same so the the one the one guy that uh wasn't from selcom was uh, a scrum half so yeah but the fly half was the fly Um, yeah but well this is what I would also say is anyone who has been interested in getting involved in rugby Mm. from a non-playing perspective, whether that's Mm -hmm. coaching, refereeing, volunteering, now is the time when you are going to be needed the most. Even making dumb podcasts, you guys can join us, help market. Well, Derek, I think we've spoken about Canada and Chile enough. Let's talk about the other game briefly that was on that weekend because, yeah. you know, I mean, losing by nine points is bad, but in the words of Top Gear, still could be worse. 19 <laughs> points. That should be the uh, the Rugby Canada slogan. <laughs> losing by 19 points and in Montevideo, I think they conceded, what, three tries in... 10 yes, minutes? Gaston Mires lighting oh. them up. That, that's at least at least hey, two yeah, arrows players won. That's it. You know what? Though is that is that the thing? Is that what we do now? The yeah, Uruguay? Yeah. Is that yeah. the that's the adopted team, right? It's yeah, be yeah. Them. Because they, they have arrows players, so technically they're Canadians. They're, they're, Canadian. they're one of us. Yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly. that's how it works. That's how the um, World Cup works. We're gonna cheer for the team with the most yeah. arrows on them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, so let's so go to Uruguay. So that's we, gotta, go, learn, like, we gotta learn like the Uruguayan anthem and everything. We'll change the let let Taros podcast let yeah. Taros rugby podcast exactly we'll take exactly. that over for a little bit. Okay, well the, uh, that news thirty four fifteen to Uruguay means that Uruguay qualify for the Rugby World Cup as America's one for the first time, which means they will also for the first time play tests against host France and the All Blacks. 
For the USA, this is not the end of the road. They will face Chile for the Americas 2 allocation next July in a home and away series. So here's the question. Can Chile make it three qualifiers for Sudamerica rugby, or will the USA be to stop them? Oh, God. Oh, I, I hope, honestly, like, um, yeah, like, it, it, is that the one? Don't take Chile lightly. Oh, God. They're good. They're good. Um, if I'm the USA, just remember that uh, you lost to Canada, who has now mm-hmm. lost to Chile. So, like, that's that's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I think it's a big, it's a big, it's got to be like, if, if you're not paying attention to Chile, I think Chile's going to, do some damage to you right if you're prepared yeah. and like be like you know take chili seriously um yeah. i think like i think that's the thing is though is it's like I, I i love seeing like i love seeing the rise of chili um i love seeing the rise of chili but like as a north american based rugby fan usa has to win this series like we can't be you can't be like looking at the possibility of like neither Canada or the United States in right and like the going to the repishage tournament ooh i mean like that, that's, that's not going to be the same as 2019 that's the or thing 2018 it's like it? i know i know before you didn't bring it up Stu, but you wanted to bring up the 2014 world cup idea right and it's like you know i think i think that idea gets some credence to it. I'm still not necessarily sold on it, but it's like, I think that game gets some, that, that idea gets some credence and credibility by being like, yo, the repishage tournament's going to be good. Yeah. Like just the idea that it's like, you know, even sitting here right now, you're like, you know, like if Chile gets there, Chile feels like a team that could be at the repishage tournament, but it's like, I think everyone's just kind of riding high on this Chile wave right now and being like, yo, like the, the, the USA is there though. Yeah, like that's scary. Almost it was like, you know, like what is you know? Because that's that's the other thing, right? One of the things is like you know, with rugby Canada being out of the World Cup and stuff. Like, I know when it was announced that the USA was going to put in a World Cup bid or whatever, we were kind of on our show. I think tossed around the fun idea of being like, "Yo, what if it was like when they did England in 2015, right? Where one of the stadiums was actually in Wales." Yeah. Right. And it's like, how cool would that be if it was like, you know, they played, uh, you know, BMO Field or BC Place um, was one of the venues for the World Cup. Yeah. Right? And they just, you know what I mean? It's like Canada gets a couple, or like, you know, the home games, a couple games in Toronto, a couple games in Vancouver or whatever. Yeah. Right. And I was like, wouldn't that be cool? But it's like now that Canada's not in the World Cup, it's like, well, that doesn't seem like a fathomable idea. Like, I don't think they're going to. Like who want? They're not going to put stadiums in a team that they don't even in a country that they don't even know if they're going to be able to qualify or not. Um, yeah. Right, and it's like yo, like because that's the thing too. It's like how much does a, the USA World Cup bid take a knock if they don't win that series? Pretty big, right? Like you know what yeah. I mean? Like that. That's USA. Then, then again, we are we are doing it from our perspective, and yeah. as, as we should know, money talks. So. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe but that. it's like, um, hey, you still gotta get there. Well, this, <laughs> this is the, oh, this is the you interesting buy, you thing. You can buy your way into qualification. N- not into no, but if you if you bid to host and you win, you automatically qualify. You, you as do host. automatically qualify. Maybe that's now oh, Canada. There we go. Canada's got to get on the bid. Let's just uh, st- yeah. you know bypass um, all. But this. this is this is the thing. So, um, Sudamerica America Rugby 
are doing a big thing of like working all the nations together. So Chile, before they played um, Canada, had the game against um, Argentina 15. And will probably play Argentina 15 and maybe Uruguay before they play um, the USA uh, yeah. next year. Do you think Canada should do the honours and do a couple of matches against the USA yeah. just to get them up? Yeah, yeah, as weird as as weird as that is, yeah, you you probably help them now because it's like you yeah. need you need a North American as much yeah. as it is for like for marketing and stuff in this country for like the benefit of the MLR mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like you need you need a North American team in the World Cup. Yeah, like it's so. Yeah, I mean, if the U- USA needs some like tune up matches, yeah, you play them. That's like that's without a doubt. You have to you play the United States for sure. Okay, and. So we're going to also focus on the weekend with the Coastal Cup. As we said before, there was only one match over the Thanksgiving weekend. That was the Pride versus the Tide. And it was mm. the Pride who have now gone three for three. Uh, they won their game 46 to 14. Dude. And they Teams will... Phil Mack as the coach just win, eh? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they just win. Well, well he's, he's won an MLR championship, so... He knows yeah, what he's exactly. About. Um, the games coming up this weekend will be the Vancouver Wave versus Trinity Western, um, UBC versus UVic, and Van East versus the Crimson Tide. They will all be on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And we also had a new competition. Oh, I, I do have one um, Coastal Cup thing that I did have to mention. Um, so last week, um, right, mentioned that uh, nobody on the Vancouver Wave is going to wear the number five this year. Um, in honor of uh, Dan Wegley, one of their players that um, tragically passed away um, earlier um, earlier this year, and um, the Vancouver Wave actually like reached out to me to kind of explain there was there's actually a little bit more in their tribute as well. Um, you know, obviously it's like if it's the number five, right? Only one guy's going to wear twenty five, so the number five is on the uh, the sidelines all the time, but what they're also doing is they have Dan's old club from back in Wales, uh, Mariloma, which their logo is like an M in a diamond. Um, so they inverted the M on their shoulder, the, the logo on their shoulder. So it makes a W um, for uh, Wiggly's left for, uh, as they call him Wiggs, last name. Um, so that's what they're actually wearing on their other shoulder. It's the upside. It's the inverted upside down uh Mariloma logo which is you know his club from where he was back home in Wales um so it forms the W um for Wiggs's last name so that's another part of the tribute that they are doing um so they they did reach out to uh kind of just make sure I guess make sure we didn't miss that um but also it's just it, it, it does kind of add a little bit to that tribute um so best of luck to the uh, to wave and um, all the other coastal cup teams this weekend that's really nice. I'm glad to hear that. Um, then other tournament, the inaugural tournament of the Premier Rugby Sevens happened this weekend. Uh, Dan, you are half right. Uh, the Loonies you just call me Dan? Yeah, well, some of them begin oh. with D. Wow. Jeez, all right. Well, that's the first time that's happened since uh, the departure. Well, wow. uh, Sorry about that, mate. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Derek. There we go. I feel, I feel sad. You, you can edit it out. No. no. Fair enough. Your mistake. your mistake is going out to the world now. Okay, Derek, um, you were half right. Uh, the Loonies won the women's tournament, but unfortunately, the team let you down. Dude, we should have had the Toonie flick uh, 
Um, yeah, had the toonie yeah. foot pick up Toon- some winners here. The toonie for the loonie. Uh, yeah. yeah, but the experts won the men's tournament. Yeah, um, appropriately named team. Yeah, I mean, as it turned well, out, expert decision to win it in the uh, overtime in See, the final. It- that's the thing, right? You call your team the experts, you better do well. Unlike a certain team that was called the elite, and then we're not. Yeah, well. Uh, Austin. Anyway. Hmm. Um, okay, we're going to round it off now with some news that uh, has come oh, out. Do not, do you, uh, what, what did you think of the Premier 7s? Do you have any, like, did you watch a lot of it? Did you, uh, what did you think of it? Well, that's the thing. I was mainly crying um, during most <laughs> of it. So it, it, all, it just seems behind like watery. Yeah, it was all the tears. So I, I can make out some of the colors, but uh, that was bad. Um, I thought it was a really good idea. I mean, like this time last year, we were also talking about the uh, World 10 series and that yeah. um, hasn't continued. I think that the sevens can continue. I think it could very well become nice. like a summer tournament yeah. that we can have across um, North America next year, maybe have more team. Ideally, all the teams would also have men and women's teams in them as well. Um, I mean, I, I think it it has serious potential as long as it doesn't conflict with the MLR season, especially since there were so many MLR players that also played in that. Well, that's exactly that's exactly my point. As in, you have um, MLR from mm-hmm. say uh, February to uh, start of July, and then August September, you can have like the sevens, uh, the Premier Rugby sevens. You know, maybe even into October as well, depending on how it goes. And, you know, as long as there's no conflict as well with like the World 7 series to go with it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Yeah, what do you think, Derek? No, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, I think maybe a little bit of unfortunate timing, the fact that it went, you know, at the same time as the two test matches, Canada, Chile and uh, USA, Uruguay, which might have meant that a decent chunk of the people that would want to watch that um you know we're kind of preoccupied with a test match um but i i mean i i did enjoy it um you know the the level of competition was good um you know it was cool to see akins won the mvp for the like the women's side um so we got uh you know the good canadian representation there worked out well the mvp trophy too i thought was super cool the kind of like the record with the uh memphis skyline i thought uh that was a really really cool idea um, overall, really like the tournament, and you know, I kind of I hope it continues. Um, they might need to uh, get some better uh, numbers and names for the backs of the jerseys, though, because they'll seem to uh, have a tough time making it through the day. Okay, we are going to blitz through some more rugby news, most of which only really happened in the past twenty-four hours. Uh, the World Seven Series is set to return for twenty twenty-two. There will be ten men's rounds and seven women's rounds over a course of six months. There's also going to be three new host locations. Uh, Malaga and Seville in Spain will be hosting men's and women's tournaments at the start of the year, and Toulouse will be the destination in France instead of Paris. Uh, Vancouver will host the men's event, and Langford will host women's. Um, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, there's a unique system to be introduced to mitigate the risk of some teams not being able to participate in all events. Um, one other thing that was mentioned is that per a contractual agreement made with uh, the World 7 Series is that Great Britain will participate in the opening rounds in Dubai, which will still be in 2021. But from 2022, they will then refer back to England, Scotland, and Wales. So I think that point system is um, going to be beneficial for them as well. And that's not 
just the only sevens that's going to be happening in 2022. We've also got the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham happening the weekend of the 29th to the 31st of July. And then two months later, down in Cape Town in South Africa on the 9th to the 11th of September is the Rugby World Cup Seven. So, you know, lots going on in 2022 in the world of sevens. But now we're going to head a bit closer home. We're going to announce some departures and as well as some arrivals. Um, as we've already mentioned, um, Aaron Carpenter has mutually parted ways with the Toronto Arrows. Uh, Mick Byrne will leave the women's sevens to coach Fiji Drewer. And announced today is that Houston Sabercats stalwart and, you know, pretty much legend, the highest point scorer in MLR, uh, Sam Windsor, is to leave Houston. And, you know, I think Sam's done an amazing job down there. And, you know, nothing's been announced of where he'll be going next, but I wish him all the best. But we're going to stick with the Sabercats because they have also announced that they are signing USA Seven Stars, Danny Barrett and Matai Luter. Keeping it in Texas, uh, Ned Hodson will join the Dallas Jackals. Um, a big name signing for San Diego Legion as Will Hooley leaves Saracens and will join up with the Legion. And finally, a bit closer to home, uh, Ontario's very own Doug Fraser will return for another season with Old Glory. That was announced today as well. So, you know, big rugby news coming up. Obviously, big rugby news happened last week and as well, but if you're looking to watch any rugby this coming weekend, you can be watching the Coastal Cup on YouTube. You can be watching the English Premiership and United Rugby Championship on Sportsnet. And if you want to see some rugby in person, tickets are still being sold for the rugby rally. But I hear that there are very few left. So now would be the time to buy them if you wish. Well, Derek, it's been an episode of reflection, of uh, disappointment. Uh but I feel like we're, I hope that Rugby Canada at least comes out from this all the better. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's a dark, you know, it's probably one of the darkest days in uh, Canadian rugby history. But as you kind of said at the end, when we were kind of wrapping this up, it's like, you know, if you, if, if you care and you want to see rugby grow, it's like, there's a lot of ways to get involved in helping the game grow you know, that doesn't necessarily involve playing, right? As you, I think Steve yeah. mentioned, like coaching, officiating, you know, volunteering for clubs in any capacity and stuff, right? There's a lot of things that you can do. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's tough to kind of have to admit that, you know, a lot of changes have to happen. Um, but it's like, you know, the, the time to do it is now. And, you know, with eyes on the 2027 World Cup and, you know, right. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, the works, you know, just, just cause it, you lost, it's like the work doesn't stop. Right. It's like the work probably, you know, it's just time to get started and uh, work on building the program back up to, you know, what it once was even 10 years ago. Yeah. The work begins now. All right. We're going to call it there. Um, if you want to listen to any more of our episodes, you can listen on Spotify or Anchor FM at La Rouge Rugby. We're also on social media, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at La Rouge Rugby. Derek, how would people get in contact with you? Uh, yeah, you wish? Uh, social media, um, you know, basically any platform. It's just at Brissette the Jet um, across, uh, across everything. So pretty easy to find me. And if you want to get in contact with me, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is H4RDMAN. That's right, Hardman. 
H4RDMAN. Well, as we said, maybe not the happiest of episodes, but the work begins now. Thanks for listening. I hope to hear from you next time.